you have your Bibles, let's hold those up. I'm a child of God. I have in my hand the powerful Word of God. It can change lives, heal broken hearts, and save man's soul. So here's our prayer. Lord Jesus, today, would you speak to me? In Jesus' name. Amen. High five, pound your neighbor there if you would, please. One of the great traditions of baseball is the singing in the seventh inning of the old song, Take Me Out to the Ball Game. During that old seventh inning stretch, uh, it's a time-honored tradition, uh, that seventh inning stretch. It, it dates back to the 1860s. Supposedly, Henry Wright of the Cincinnati Red Stockings, isn't that a great team name? They wrote, he wrote a friend in 1869, and he said, the spectators... All rise between halves of the seventh inning, extend their arms and legs, and sometimes they walk around. Thus, the seventh inning stretch took its name. President William Taft is credited with, credited with solidifying the seventh inning stretch as a fixture of professional baseball. In 1910, President Taft stood at the half of the seventh inning while attending a game in Pittsburgh. The crowd, thinking the president was leaving, stood up out of respect for him. So I thought it might be fun as we close our sermon series on Make Your Family a Field of Dreams to have us all stand, and we would just join in that rousing song of Take Me Out to the Ball Game, accompanied by good organ music from Centered Field. So if my center fielder would start the music, and let's all stand and let's sing together. I hope my organ works today. It, my organ left me. <laughs> okay, start it again. Just hit the start button and crank up the volume. Thank you so much. Oh, how fun is that? All we need is to have somebody pass out peanuts, right? So, oh, oh, easy now, easy. Okay. The seventh inning stretch is a good illustration of the benefits of worship. Almighty God created us with a need for rest, for restoration, and for worship. To make your home a field of dreams, parents, parents must make worship a priority for their families. If you neglect corporate worship, it will prevent your family from receiving some of the incredible blessings that are promised to those who seek the face of God through worship. Today we're going to look at Psalm 84. I would encourage you to take those Bibles you just held up 
and let's go to Psalm 84. And would you follow along with me in your Bible as I read this psalm, Psalm 84. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of heaven's armies. I long, yes, I faint with longing to enter the courts of the Lord. With my whole being, body, and soul, I will shout joyfully to the living God. Even the sparrow finds a home, and the swallow builds her nest and raises her young at a place near your altar. O Lord of heaven's armies, my King and my God, what joy for those who can live in your house, always singing your praises. What joy for those whose strength comes from the Lord, who have set their minds on a pilgrimage to Jerusalem when they walk through the valley of weeping. It will become a place of refreshing springs. The autumn rains will clothe it with blessings. They will continue to grow stronger and each of them will appear before God in Jerusalem. O Lord God of heaven's armies, hear my prayer. Listen, O God of Jacob. O God, look with favor upon the king, our shield. Show favor to the one you have anointed. A single day in your courts is better than a thousand anywhere else. I would rather be a gatekeeper in the house of my God than live the good life in the homes of the wicked. For the Lord God is our sun and our shield. He gives us grace and glory. The Lord will withhold no good thing from those who do what is right. O Lord of heaven's armies, what joy for those who trust in you. Amen? The great preacher, Charles Haddon Spurgeon, called Psalm 84 the pearl of the Psalms. Some have said Psalms 23 may be the most popular and comforting. Psalm 103 has been called the most joyful. Psalm 51 is the most painful as David confesses his sin. Psalm 84 is one of the most worshipful as the saints are called to dwell in the house of the Lord. That's where we're supposed to gather. That's where we're supposed to find encouragement. That's where we're supposed, supposed to find a friendship and companionship. And there are numerous passages of Scripture that proclaim the greatness of God and our responsibility or command to worship. But Psalm 84 concentrates on the benefits of worship. And so I want to talk about those this morning just very briefly, two or three of these. Number one, and the first benefit of worship is that it satisfies the soul. It satisfies the soul. Our soul longs for God. Romans 1 describes that. Romans 1 describes how creation itself longs for the return of the Lord. As do we. Especially if you're a Christian, don't you long for the return of the Lord? Oh, I'm ready. We were talking in Sunday school about that very thing this morning. This morning, and someone suggested the old uh, Star Trek frame, beam me up, Scotty. <laughs> beam me up. But I'm always reminded of the, uh, the older gentleman in my very first ministry out of Bible college. I was preaching on the second coming, and he raised up his hand. He said, preacher, if you're punching tickets right now, because I was talking about how you need to be ready to go right now, he said, if you're punching tickets right now, I'll wait for the second load. <laughs> so sometimes we're like that too, aren't we? But our, our, our souls yearn and long for God. We have God-shaped vacuums in the core and at the core of our very being. And that God alone is the only one who can 
fill that vacuum. Three times in this psalm, the term blessed is used to describe those who dwell in the house of the Lord, whose strength is in you, who trust in the Lord. God extends blessing and divine satisfaction to those who seek to honor Him through worship. I enjoy the variety of songs that we sing here. Uh, some people have said, well, we need to sing more of them older songs. And we may. But you know, I just enjoy the variety, don't you? Some of these newer choruses, and, and, and some of them are harder to sing because we don't really know the tune yet. But boy, when we get them, I, I listen to you sing. There's times I'll stop singing just to hear you sing. And there's just, there's just some of these songs that grip you, don't they? As there are old hymns that grip you. Tuesday at Lou's funeral service, the family wanted a celebration, and so we just, we just sang. We sang some songs. And, uh, oh, I, I enjoyed those. <laughs> I enjoyed singing those old songs. And I, could just, I, I know his foot was tapping. I know it was. Because it was marvelous. It was wonderful. And in this psalm, the psalmist declares that satisfaction is not dependent upon pleasant circumstances. Many people are misled by thinking that you can achieve happiness by creating some enjoyable external environment. But genuine joy comes from the soul. In verse 6, it talks about the valley of, in the King James, Baca, but it's the valley of weeping. And this valley is a valley of tears. That Hebrew word for weeping or baka, it simply means to weep. Many scholars feel the psalmist has described a group of happy pilgrims passing through a parched desert. So often we have parched deserts in our lives, don't we? And how do you find joy in the midst of struggle? How do you find joy in the midst of turmoil how do you we're remodeling our house and every time I open the front door I see nothing but dust 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 and more dust I sit down to eat and I eat dust I take a shower and there's dust I go to sleep to dust off my pillow before I can lay my head down to have more dust fall on me Dust is everywhere. It's a nuisance. But I know one day we won't have the dust anymore. I know one day it'll be a great thing to look at all the new stuff that's in our house. It'll be exciting. I have to pause because I tear up when I think of the cost of all of this. Worship enables us to experience the joy. And you know, sometimes we think if we just get this new house and all this new stuff, somehow that's, I'm going to be better. If I just got a new car, if I just got a bigger truck, if I just got, we think that we're going we're gonna to be better. If I just had more money, if I just had more of this, if I just had more of that, boy, I'd have it. Only to find out when we get it that we're not happy at all. Why? Because it costs more to pay for. Right? It's crazy. It's crazy. It's crazy. I saw one of those smart cars the other day. Any of you seen those? They look like a matchbook car. There's a gentleman at Jinx Public School that works for the school in the mail department. His name is Ross. He
he is a big man. Ross is probably 400 pounds. And Ross wanted to get in that car. And you've got to know, you've got to hear this story, because it will blow you away. Have it, you know what I'm talking about when I say a smart car? There is not much there. That car is probably from the edge of this stand, and the back of it is right here. That's it. He could not get behind the steering wheel. So he went to the passenger side, and he opened the car door, and as he got most of his body in, his head, his neck, the V in his neck hit the roof. And so they had to lift the top of the car off, which they, you can do, and so he could sit in it. And when he sat in it, his chin was at the, above the windshield. I said, just throw a tarp over him. Here you go. But he said, I'm in it. And the car was sitting like this, literally. What would have been more fun is if he had got, to, got up to get out and it would be stuck to him. Hey, somebody pull this car. But you know, even if you, even if you buy more stuff and if you get it fancy looking little cars, that's not going to bring happiness to your life. I've met many a wealthy person who are sad and have no hope. This psalmist describes that for us, and worship will enable, will enable the joy of the Lord to come through in our lives, even through difficult times. We've seen as we've prayed for people, as we put these prayer blankets on people, we've watched the joy of the Lord return to their life. We've, we've shared testimonies of that with you. Uh, we gave one of those away just last week to an individual here in the church who's been having some health issues. Hallelujah. Isn't that what it's all about, folks? I asked last week if anybody would do the little uh, stitching on the little uh, uh, pieces of cloth. We're going to send those over to Iraq. And uh, somebody took the whole bag and did them. <laughs> took the whole bag and did them. So now we have close to 100 of those that we're going to be sending over to Iraq. And uh, asking each of those uh, soldiers to stick that in a pocket and know that they're being prayed for. And uh, what a difference that can make in their life. The blessings that touch the ache that's in your soul... It cannot be purchased at Walmart. It can only be found and freely distributed at the house of the Lord. Worship satisfies the soul. Secondly, worship sharpens your perception. It makes you think more clearly. And as we draw close to God in worship, we develop a divine discernment. No longer do we evaluate things just by our opinion, but we begin to see things from a heavenly perspective, and we evaluate things in a different way. Like a football coach viewing the game from a skybox, worship leads to the throne of heaven where we have a better view of the whole field. Worship is not about you individually. Our worship service is not about you as an individual. It's about us as a family of God. Well, I just don't get anything out of that song. Fine, sit there and hush, and maybe the next one will touch you. Well, I didn't get anything out of any of them. And i got to wonder if your heart's even right with God as you came to worship today. Well, if you'd sing them old songs, I'd get a lot out of those. Hey, hang in there. It'll come back to you. Are you with me so far? Well, I, I don't get much out of that sermon. Didn't get much out of that sermon today. You didn't have time to study, did you? How much praying did you do before you got here? 
I ain't got time to pray, preacher. I got to get up. I got to get the kids dressed. Got to get breakfast on the table. I I can barely get here myself. Where's the focus on priority? Where's those husbands at? Where's those mamas at? Mamas get tired of getting up and getting everybody around, don't they? Wouldn't it be great for dad to jump up one day and just grab everybody? Oh, there we go. Just take them out in the backyard, hose them down. Here we go. Dads can streamline this shower stuff. <laughs> Worship sharpens your perception. Don Shula, former coach of the Miami Dolphins, shares in his testimony that he attended mass every day during the football season. Coach Shula was not being superstitious. He was not seeking God to help him with a Super Bowl win. Shula, Shula simply said, I attend mass every day because I need to be reminded that there, is, there are more important things than football. There are more important things than football. The great worship hymn, Be Thou My Vision, says, Riches I heed not, or man's empty praise. Thou mine inheritance now and always, Thou and Thou only, first in my heart. High King of Heaven, my treasure Thou art. O oh Lord my God, when I in awesome wonder hmm, how great Thou art. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Glory to God. What is the treasure of your heart? Genuine worship molds and transforms our perception to recognize the greatness of God. And according to verse 10 of our text, we see the tents of the wicked, and they cannot compare to the glory of God. I was down in the Utica Square area this week, and I just love to drive through that area, don't you? Those magnificent older homes, and they're just... Oh, they're, they're breathtaking, so many of them. Had the privilege to be in one this week that's being remodeled, and it doesn't look so magnificent right now. But it was just really, in the renovation process, it was just magnificent. Built in 1928, I believe. And just to see the structure, and oh my, the wood floors in there. Those are, there's no laminate floor in that house. Unbelievable. I can't imagine what it's going to look like when it's completely remodeled. Wow. Psalm 84 contains word pictures, and another one it gives us, it describes the benefit of a sharpened perception. It says that worship improves discernment, and it determines our direction. In the movie Alice in Wonderland, Alice comes to a fork in the road, and she seeks directions from the Cheshire cat, and the cat asks where she wants to go, and Alice says, I don't know. And so the cat says, well, then it doesn't matter which road you choose. But I'm here to tell you that it does matter which road you choose. It matters greatly which road you choose. In verse 5 of our text in, 80, in, in Psalm 84, it says that, that the blessing of a heart, there is a blessing in the heart of one who has it set on a pilgrimage. You see, you're on a journey. You and I are on a journey. This world is not my home. I'm just passing through. Don't grab hold of everything that's here because you don't get to keep it anyway. I've never seen a hearse pulling a U-Haul to the grave. Not once. Not once. Not once. When we choose to worship God, He sets our heart on a journey. Martin Lloyd-Jones is a 
legendary preacher and Bible scholar and commenting on this verse in Psalm 84, he said, the great blessing that Christianity confers upon us is that it brings order into our lives. The heart of the person who is not a Christian is like a pathless wilderness. Is that not a powerful thought? Through worship we discover a path that Almighty God cuts and establishes in our heart. In Psalm 25 and verse 9 it says, God guides the humble in what is right and teaches them his ways. In the New Testament, that concept is shared in Hebrews 12 and verse 1 when it says, Let us lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily entangles us and run with endurance the race that lies before us. The New International Version and the New American Standard Version stress that God marks out the race or He sets the race in our heart. And so I need to ask you is your life a pathless wilderness? Or do you know the path that God has prepared for you? Third benefit we find in this psalm is that worship strengthens friendship. Worship satisfies the soul, sharpens perception, and then thirdly, it strengthens friendships. Genuine friends are ones who join you in this worship experience, exalting Almighty God. I love our church because you love to be together. Amen? It helps if we feed you. I got you. Wednesday night, if you're not coming on Wednesday night at 6 o'clock to eat, what are you doing? Man, our dinners on Wednesday night are unbelievable. Those of you that have been coming, you know what I'm talking about. And it seems like we have more. Rice grows here. It seems. We'll have